You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Asbury. It is such a joy to be with you today from Indiana and to be back on Asbury's campus. This morning, I would love to us to think about the moments that sometimes we just cannot forget. It was my junior year of college, and I'm getting lunch. It's one of those days you have a really busy morning. I took multiple tests that morning, a research paper that I had just finished, getting ready for an exegesis paper that afternoon. So I'm getting lunch. We're going to sit down at the table, get ready for the afternoon. At the salad bar, you know, moving the tray slowly down the, you know, item by item, placing it, you know, carefully on the salad, When all of a sudden, next to me, comes water. Going down my entire right hand, ice follows behind, another glass falls, and there's water covering my entire tray. My salad is now baptized, everything is floating, and I'm standing there thinking, what just happened? I look at the man next to me, who's staring at his water glasses that he's knocked over, all over my tray. I'm standing there thinking, what just happened? He's also thinking the same thing. Yet he goes to pick up his tray, looks at me, and says, well, that's a problem, and walks away. I'm standing there with my tray, covered, literally covered. I can still see the lettuce floating on that tray as water's everywhere. And I'm thinking, wouldn't you want to stay when you're clearly seeing that you caused a problem and I need some help right now? He walked away and I never saw him again. How many times are we trying to balance things in our lives when something happens or takes place and we accidentally are interrupted? Or perhaps there's times when we are purposefully interrupted. There's so many times that we find ourselves in these places where we're balancing what's happening yet we're not sure how to move forward when we need to be with people. We want to be with people. At the same time, sometimes people walk away. Moments in our lives hold stories. There's sacred stories that are held where we can experience who God is and the Trinity being present with us. There's moments of nourishment and there's moments of depletion. Or as Ignatian has said, there's moments of contemplation and moments of desolation. Sometimes there's moments, even as the writer of Deuteronomy has said, that there's life and there's death moments. This morning, I would love to offer us the invitation to think about the table as a place where God dwells and that we can come together to experience the divinity of who the Trinity is. The Trinity of God, the Creator, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit come together, quite different, yet connected. And humanity, each of us, are created in the image of connectedness. There's goodness and there's provision at the core. So I'm curious if we showed up at the table on a regular basis for nutrition, yet at the same time it was a place for connection. So today, the theology of the table, a place for peace. How often do we long for intentional community and spend time together Yet at times, we're balancing things in our own personal lives, whether it's our own personal, emotional, mental, relational, or spiritual health, we find ourselves wanting to be connected, or in a season where we're finding ourselves respecting each other in our differences and our 
space that we need between us. Yet, I'm curious if in this time, it's actually a time when in our individual solitude, we're able to learn more about our solitude to come to community. Henry Nouwen has a beautiful quote and says that when solitude meets solitude, community occurs. What if this time of solitude is a time to connect with the triune God individually and able to cultivate fruitfulness with others? To be honest with ourselves in ways that are fruitful in our relationships. As Genesis 1, 28 reads, God blessed Adam and Eve, and God said to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing that moves. Be fruitful. I grew up thinking that Adam and Eve were created just to multiply the earth and just to take care of the land. Yet, the very first thing that God said was to be fruitful and then multiply and then take care of the earth. We are inhabitants of the earth to be fruitful. Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit. Maybe collectively we can say those together if you know those offhand. The Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruitfulness. Collectively and individually, we can practice the elements of fruitfulness. Bearing fruit that offers peace. It offers that deep shalom that scripture talks about. Cultivating wholeness in individuals and in communities. Lisa Sharon Harper has written this beautiful book on peace. It's called The um, Gospel According to Peace. One of the things that she writes is paraphrased in this quote. Throughout the writings of the Old and New Testament, shalom is used hundreds of times to promote peace, wholeness, restoration, and devotion. Shalom embodies the essence that creation will bear the image of the triune God. Early on, though, in the Genesis story, shalom was broken. Shalom was disrupted. Decisions were made that broke the intentions of peace. And still to this day, we make decisions and decisions are made by others that disrupt our peace. In the proclamation, though, in Luke 179, he says that Jesus' coming was the embodiment of the way of peace. Jesus being here is the embodiment of peace. The resurrected Jesus gave us a way to offer that. So this morning, I'm not going to ask us to raise our hands, but I am going to ask us to reflect, offer ourselves some self-awareness, and ask ourselves some questions that perhaps can help us each individually navigate our way forward as we think about being at peace at the table. Just as I said that peace was broken in the Garden of Eden, there are postures that people take when that happens. And what posture did God take in Genesis when that happened? God moved towards Adam and Eve. God walked towards them. God graciously walked towards and asked a curious question. Where are you? God moves towards people in moments of being disappointed, hurt, and betrayed. This morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're coming in with. But I'm going to ask as I share a few stories and ask a couple questions that you think about in your own story. Where do you see God even if you don't experience peace right in this current moment? I was a part of a community for about 20 years. 
It's a really long time. Yet, it was met with a long season of grief. After a number of decisions that were made, we're slowly moving people away from one another. It moved from a place that I once knew as one of the most inclusive communities to exclusivity. These relationships that I had were like family. Conflicted conversations, though, were no longer welcome. I was heartbroken on a number of levels, time and time again. I was experiencing disappointment, hurt, and deeply betrayed that resulted in a parting of ways. As well as there was loss not only of what had been, but the dreams we had shared that we wanted to have together. Have you ever experienced loss that left you heartbroken? On another occasion, my junior year of college, I was supposed to go to a, on a humanitarian relief trip to Australia. A few, minute, a few minutes, no, a few moments before we were supposed to la- leave, I guess it was about a month or so before, I ruptured a disc in my lower back. I had to leave school early, take in completes, and I didn't go to Australia. I spent that summer sitting on a wooden chair, recovering. I'm curious if you've ever had disappointment from an opportunity that fell through. In my late 20s, I was receiving my, I was so excited because I'd gotten a phone call to receive my dream job. So I, of course, then I resigned from my current job that I had at the time. I went to bed that night and I was elated. It was my dream job and I'm in my late 20s and I was so excited. The next day though, after I had resigned from my current job, the university that had offered me the job 24 hours earlier found out about some significant financial budget crisis and they had to retract the job offer. I'm curious if anyone in this room has ever had a dream and within moments they experienced loss of that dream. In 2018, one of my dearest friends, spiritual guides and mentors, Kim, was diagnosed with a terminal illness. She was one of the healthiest people I've ever met in a holistic way. Two years later, after walking with with her through her terminal diagnosis, she passed away last March. Three weeks after Kim passed away, one of my closest friends that I live near in Marion, Indiana, Jackie, received a terminal diagnosis. September of 2020, just months later, she passed away. Have you ever said goodbye to someone earlier than you had hoped? Longing and ache for peace are present while we're on this side of eternity. My soul longs and thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and behold, where shall I come and behold the face of God? God kindly asked questions, where are you, when he was going towards Adam and Eve in the garden. Even in the midst of hurt and loss, and peace seemed far away. So this morning I want to remind us that we are invited to behold the face of God in all times. Jesus came as the new covenant, and the Holy Spirit Spirit offers a way to experience that on a daily basis. These characteristics sometimes, though, seem really lovely in this text of of Scripture, yet they can seem far away. I'm curious this morning if each of us could consider that there is a table here on earth, which we go to for meals, that we could meet God. What if each of us, as incarnational image bearers of the Trinity, this place of belonging, that we can enact that together? What if throughout Scripture we look at the invitation that there is to experience wholeness of shalom by meeting God at the table? 
in the desert times, in the lamenting times, in the bountiful times, in the times of loneliness, those of grief, or those of celebration? What if we take a look at throughout Scripture, the experiences that have happened around the table, as these are invitations for each of us to steward our experiences and our moments that we have. Christopher Alexander is a British-American architect, and he also is a theorist who writes about the physical world meaning the sacred. He's written this quote, the sacredness of the physical world and the potential of the physical world for sacredness provides a powerful and surprising path toward understanding the existence of God. What if in our physical world, we can engage in space around the table around, as an intersectionality of our own desire to be with people and the Trinity's desire for us to have belonging? Some of the deepest joys of my life have happened when I've shared them with others. Whether we're hang gliding, which I deeply love, moments of making homemade cider, snowshoeing, traveling, the times I was able to hike overseas or here in the States, lingering poolside, or holidays with my extended family. I've had jobs that have offered life and working with amazing colleagues and students. And there's laughter at celebrating whenever we can. There is such an invitation to experience that here in the physical world. We don't have to wait for the eternal other of heaven. We can have an opportunity daily to wake up, be here, and experience sacred moments. So what if these sacred moments came in places that we experience the table, that it's the manna of each morning? What if the table is for conflicted relationships to meet? What if the table is for remembering Jesus' redemption? What if the table is for our experiencing conversation through repentance? What if the table is participating with others and sharing together? What if the table here on earth is a preemptive notion of what we are going to experience for eternity? So let's begin with manna. In Exodus 16, the Israelites are literally crying out to Moses to go back to Egypt. And if we remember, Egypt was what? The place of bondage for the Israelites. Yet, they had lost sight of the provision of God. The daily offering of manna, though, came from heaven, and God said, I will bring this daily to the ground that served as a table, and each day collect what is needed. And then come back tomorrow, and God said, I'll provide again. Are you in a desert? Are you grumbling because you cannot see God? Are you longing to see God, yet you don't have all the answers? I'm curious how you could see God today providing daily manna for you. There's also tables, though, that we experience daily conflict. A few years ago, I came across a song by the band The Brilliance called Brother. There's a phrase in this song that I think about probably weekly. The lyrics include this phrase, when I look into the face of my brother, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to work, I'm going to flip this now. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. What if the face of our enemy and the face of the, our brother, or as my, Jeff, my friend Jeff says, our neighbor, is not too far off? We live in a point where differences are receiving the spotlight in significant ways things that separate rather than the things that connect us. We are hungry for connection. People are hungry for connection. They want to be part of something larger, to be seen and to be known in that space. Yet our differences oftentimes move us away from each other rather than towards. It's challenging to think, though, of what David wrote in Psalm 23 when David said, you 
speaking of God, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The table can be a place where people who disagree can come. David has noted the creativity of God at this table to come face to face with those we are not without unity. And I find this fascinating. Whenever I'm in disagreement with someone, not the first thing I usually think of is, hey, let's have coffee. Let's sit down for a meal. Yet what if that need that both people have for nourishment and to be understood and find connection is actually at the table for peacemaking? What if instead of tabling discussions, we spend time engaging in fruitful dialogue that engage us with, as Ephesians 4:15 says, the spirit of truth? What if we go to each other and engage Matthew 18 and have conversations in order to bring unity? For some of you, this idea might feel conflicted. It might feel challenging to think of talking to an enemy or talking to someone you disagree with about something that you don't understand. Yet, perhaps maybe these spaces you could gain curiosity around. Why is this hard for you? What feels like it brings up tension in you? I encourage you to think about this, to engage this, have conversation about this, to strengthen this muscle. Because intimacy can create deep connection. And we are the people of Israel. But remember, in Genesis, when Jacob was struggling with the angel during that night and then named Israel, it was after wrestling. We too are the people of Israel. We too can have the opportunity to wrestle in order to know who God is. Psalm 44 speaks about deep crying out to deep, and I love that because conflict, yes, can be really deep, but it also can allow for deep intimacy. The Gottman Institute for, Re for Relationships says that 69% of all conflict is perpetual. It is all around us. Yet, becoming curious about our differences can actually help us learn together. It's also really important this morning for me to say this to you because I believe this wholeheartedly. It is not always wise or helpful for us to be with people who have been abusive, manipulated, or taken advantage of us. I am not asking that we sit at the table in those spaces. If there is a loss of dignity that has taken place, that can be traumatic. What I am asking is that we engage in therapeutic counsel as we experience healing in our stories. Your safety is important, and people are always not. Yet, when we are on this side of eternity, we can find places to move towards each other, and I'm curious if the table is part of that. So what if for you this morning, the table is a place for you to think about having a conflicted conversation with someone else? Or perhaps we go to the upper room. The upper room was where the Last Supper took place. Talk about an environment where conflict was about to take place. Jesus broke bread and offered the cup at the meal right before he was about to be betrayed. There is an invitation that we're even going to experience today for this to take place together. For us to do, as Jesus has said, to remember who Jesus is at the same time to offer repentance for our sins. I grew up in the church, and every fourth Sunday of the month, we would take communion. And on the back of our church pew, we had these little note cards that would sit. And I always remember on the third Sunday, when I was young as a child, I would take a note card, take it home, and that next week, write down every sin I could remember from the last month. Because I wanted to make sure I came the next week when it was time for communion and had all my sins listed. Such a legalistic way of thinking, because I realistically didn't know at that young age that I could actually have repentance on a daily basis, even multiple times. I didn't need to wait for that once a month, three by five note card to confess. 
Yet how often do we repent? How often do we ask for forgiveness from someone that we've hurt or, or receive forgiveness from someone else? What if coming to the table is actually a space for healing to happen in that? My friend Kristen has a lovely Grandma Alice. I don't know if you have a Grandma Alice, but Kristen's Grandma Alice says that time can heal all wounds unless they're infected. And I love the idea that communion is a place that we can come to experience healing in our woundedness. So think about the table for you, even as Greg will lead us in a little bit to come to the table. Do you remember that this is about the redemption that is given to you? That Jesus came to connect you to the table to experience the redemption of the Trinity? Or maybe this morning you need to come in a space of forgiveness and asking with a posture of forgiveness for repentance in order to experience restoration. As we look at one of our last tables, we'll talk about rice. There's churches in, this, in parts of South Korea that every Sunday the expectation is, is that you bring a bag of dry rice with you to church. After church is over, there's a big communal boiling pot of water and rice is put into the pot and everyone has lunch together. Everyone is invited to participate. I'm curious at the tables that you're a part of if you invite people to bring what they have. Or is there a spirit of judgment that you only want what you want, not what people are willing to bring? The early church and Acts of Ecclesia, they came together and stewarded their belongings together. To share a meal was a simple way to experience community. Rachel Held Evans is a late biblical scholar, and she's known as a woman who invited people together who had very different views of things and very nuanced view of things. But she has written this, Christianity isn't meant to simply be believed. It is meant to be lived, shared, eaten, spoken, and enacted in the presence of other people. We are created in the image of love and belonging, in the image of the triune God. So what if your table is a place for participation to share together? And finally, one day in Revelation 19, there's talk of tables with white linens and a celebration for all of eternity, a feast, the union of eternity. The table has mattered from the beginning. The table has mattered all throughout history. The table still matters today, and the table will matter for eternity. So my prayer is that we may be fruitful people who bring peace, who embody shalom among one another. And what if on this side of eternity we're able to have a foretaste of that process? If this is true, what is the posture that you will take when you come to the table? As we close, I'd love to read a quote from you about remembering the moments that we have by Richard Rohr. So may we rediscover, reclaim, and recapitulate the story in as many ways and as often as we can. Remaining trapped in the smaller domes of meaning separate us from the Trinitarian flow of the divine love and the connection to our birthright.